0: Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Good to be back. it um, been a few weeks now, back into the groove, into what's happening. You good? You good? Give me a wave. You well? Are you at home there? Just give me a wave too. That's it. Yeah. Right. And now, I was supposed to give someone a shout out, and you know what? I forgot. I've got a memory like a sieve, I'm telling you. It'll come to me about, I don't know, 3am, I guess. But uh, anyway, to that person, (laughs) shout out to you. (laughs) I don't know how you feel right now, but yeah. Well, running uh, uh, into the new year. You ready for it? It's all happening. Back to school, everything's getting back on mainstream and... uh, uh, I preached a message, uh, if you are here a couple of weeks ago, out of Matthew chapter 7 about um, building on the rock. And, uh, you know, the story, the storm hits the two houses and the, the one thing that was revealed in all of that situation was the foundation that the houses were built upon. You know, one was on the sand, the other on the rock. And uh, obviously the one that was built on the rock that had the solid foundation, you know, last through the storms and, uh, and survived and was standing strong. And uh, so when looking at our future, uh, Highway as a church, uh, we feel it's time to revisit the foundations. You know, we've been through a bit of a storm of late. And, you know, it's good to check the foundations and make sure that, that, you know, that they're strong, that they're intact and, uh, you know, rebuild where we need to. And so it's a good thing because it gives us an opportunity to build it better. It gives us an opportunity to build it stronger. You know, you get shaken and, you know, something settles stronger than it was before. So I started to think about the, the early church and, you know, what were their foundation stones that they used, you know, to build a church that lasted over 2,000 years. Who knows? We're a part of that church. We're a part of that early church. So they, they did something right in the foundation for it to continue for 2,000 years plus. And uh, it's not only about building the church, though, is it? It's about building every believer, each individual as well. So I reflected back for when we started Highway. Actually, we had a bit of an office shuffle recently and we found a photo album that Denise Sarong put together. It was Denise here this morning. Denise put it together and it was the first 10 years of Highway. Um, You've got to to see it sometime. It's absolutely fantastic. You know, uh, um, know, I looked terrific back then, (laughs) I've got to tell you. Annie hasn't changed, that's for sure. She looks exactly the same. Um, But, you know, 25 years ago, 26 years ago, uh, things were a little different. And it was pretty exciting to see what God has done. You need to revisit the victories. Amen. You need to revisit, you know, the the challenges that were overcome and you're still standing stronger than ever before because they do something to your faith. And they build you. And uh, there were key elements, you know, that built our foundation back then. You know, the ones that, you know, helped us last for 26 years at least. So turn your Bibles to the book of Acts. I want to look at chapter 2. And, of course, verse 42 to 47 It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and a prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now the notes in my Bible would indicate that this is a pretty well-worn passage of Scripture. I can hardly read that because of all the, the, the notes in and out uh, on the side. But for me, it's, it's, it's where we need to revisit. It's where we need to go back and, and uh, see what, you know, built that foundation so we can reinforce our foundations, not just for ourselves, but for the generations to follow. That's very important to me. I just don't want to have a good season. I want to have a season that builds something for generations. And uh, that's the the greatest joy of my life. So I want to look at three things in, you know, the life of church and, of course, the life of each believer. The first one is to be hungry for God, hungry for God. In verse 42, it says there, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and a prayer. You know, from the moment that they accepted Jesus, From the moment they accepted the message that was preached, it was pedal to the metal. It was pedal to, they were full on. In verse 41, it says that they were baptized and 3,000 were added to the church that day. They were so hungry for the Word, so hungry, you know, for the the communion together, the fellowship, and of course, um, they devoted themselves to it. I want you to think about that. They devoted themselves to it. What does that look like in our day? What does that look like in our generation, in our Christian walk, in our our experience and relationship with God and with church? They were so hungry for the Word. One encounter with the Holy Spirit. One encounter with the Holy Spirit and they couldn't get enough. They couldn't get enough. I know that feeling. I know that feeling. I love it. I, you, you remember that these guys were all Jews. They were in that that type of community, you know. So for them to make this decision, you know, they were in trouble with their authorities, you know, the the, the Pharisees and the people that you know had power over their lives. You know, they were they were so hungry they were prepared to pay whatever price, whatever price. You see, some want the church to do it. But it's up to each individual to build their relationship with Christ, to be hungry for God. And then when we come together as the church, that synergy, that overflow, that outpouring that comes from each one of us, miracles happen. Miracles happen. The anointing just overflows in this place, because of what Christ does in each one of us. Remember Hebrews eleven six says, "Without faith, it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Earnestly seek Him. Wow, that's not a Sunday thing, folks." That's an everyday thing. Earnestly seek Him. Hungry for God. Hungry for God to move. Hungry for God to do something amazing in our lives. One of those foundation stones that should never be removed. Being hungry for God. Paul said in Philippians 3.10, I love this scripture. I want to know Christ, yes. I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. So we ask ourselves the question, how hungry for God am I? How hungry for God am I? They devoted themselves. And you know what? Hungry people are not fussy eaters. Hungry people are not fussy eaters. So when you start to think, oh, you know, I don't like that song. Ah, how come, you know, they're doing this now. How come that's happening? Hungry people are not fussy eaters. They're hungry. Amen. They'll take anything. They, they know where it's coming from. They want it all. Don't leave anything out. I'm starved for more of God. Amen. I remember when we were first born again, we used to drive from Alexandra Hills. Who knows where Alexandra Hills is? Yep, way down Cleveland way. We would drive from there to Elchester um, to go to home group. Who knows where Alchester is? It's a long way from Alexandria Hills, probably an hour drive. You know, back then we had pedal cars and took a bit longer. But, uh, (laughs) you know, we had the Datsun 120Y, honey, didn't we? The old Datsun. And, um, you know, we would be off to Wednesday night home group all the way over to Elgester. Finucane Road back then was a single lane, probably still is, haven't been down there for so long. But, you know, Mount Kavak and Palabar Road, all through there was single lanes all the way through uh, until you hit Kessels Road. Sunday was the same. Sunday was, uh, we went to church at Salisbury. So from Alexandria Hills to Salisbury was, was 45 to an hour, depending on traffic, but single lane all the way. Mind you, there was only 50 people who lived down there then. <laughs> so it wasn't bad traffic. But you know what? We'd do that in the morning grab some chips and some loaf of bread for the kids' lunch and uh, we'd be back at night. Now, why hungry for God? Just hungry. I went to every meeting, the doors were open except the ladies (laughs) and the youth because they wouldn't let me in. But hungry. There was a meeting on, we were doing it, we were there. I remember driving to uh, Melbourne for a conference. Yes, in the 120 Y. We couldn't afford to fly the whole family to Melbourne. Flip, that was like near, near Antarctica somewhere. No, in the car, down we would go. Drove for hours and whatever it was, a long time. Hungry. God was doing so. I remember sitting at my office desk um, in '94, uh, and I was running a company, my own business, you know, that sort of thing, and. I was sitting there and I heard about a move of God happening in Canada. I heard about a move of God and something. It's like if God's doing something, I've got to know. I've got to be a part of it. You know, I wasn't a pastor or in ministry. I was a business guy. But I, you know, I just always had that hunger for God. And The next day I caught a plane to to Canada. Never been there before. Never been really outside of Australia, other than New Zealand, which is not really outside of Australia, is it? Next day, bought a ticket, went on this. Why? People said, you're crazy. What are you doing that for? Just hungry. If God's doing something, I've got to be a part of it. Hungry for God. Ache in your heart for everyone to know Jesus. Gee, I want him for everyone. I want God is so good in my life. I want that for everyone. For everyone. You know when you when you go somewhere and there's this ridiculous sale on? This ridiculous sale, this bargain. Like something worth hundreds of dollars. Twenty dollars. Like it's a bargain. You ring up all your mates, hey, come on down, quick. 20 bucks, it's brilliant. It's a bargain. I want that for everyone. Jesus. I want that for everyone. He has been so good to me. He has changed my life from glory to glory to glory. I'm not there yet, but gee, it's a great journey. I want that for everyone. Hungry. Number two is the love of Christ in verse 44. Verse 44. That all the believers were together and had everything in common. I mean, just think about the logistics of this. I mean, 3,000 people coming together, embracing this brand new religion, right? Just, they came out of the, you know, the upper room and they're preaching and crazy stuff's going down. It's all happening People are feeling something. They certainly couldn't explain it. They had no words for it, but something got on the inside of their spirit and they said, this is God. This is God. We don't get it. We don't understand it, but this is God. 3,000 people said, we're in. We're in. They come together. And having everything in common. That ain't human, folks. That is not human nature for 3,000 people to come together and go, hey, let's just, let's just divvy it out. You know, let's just come together. Verse 45 gives us a key. It says they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Wow, you don't see that often. To give to anyone who had need. See, it wasn't about them anymore. It was about the cause of Christ. That was the common denominator. That was the unifier. That was the focus. And while they were looking in the same direction, they are in unity. They were one. They were together. Because it wasn't about them. See, when we start to, to, you know, take our focus off off the cause of Christ, then we have to look at, left to right, and all of a sudden the focus is divided. It brings disunity when I start to focus upon myself. Is it any wonder that these guys stood out? No one had seen people do this. No one had seen people be so selfless that they would empty anything to help someone else who was in need. They'd never seen that before. What a group of people that profess to know God and they're not in it for themselves. Almost sounds Christian, doesn't it? Not in it for themselves. They actually live the teachings of Christ. John 13, 34, 35, he said, a new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples. Not how much the Bible you know. Not if you went to Bible college or if you, you know, grew up in a Christian home or 10th generation Christian. No. Love one another. By this, everyone will know. You are my disciples if you love one another. You know, in the third century, there was a, uh, a tragic plague that hit the Roman world. Um, and it was severe. I mean, 5,000 people a day were dying from the plague that hit that, you know, that whole region. And, um, you know, that's significant when you consider that the population then, Was way, 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 way less than it is today. But five thousand a day, and all the Roman doctors, they, they, they headed for the hills. They had a bit of medical science, and they're thinking, this thing's going to kill you. We're out of here. And so they bolted. But the Christians stayed and cared for the sick. They cared for the sick. The ancient world had never seen anything like this. Anything like this. Rodney Stark, a social historian, writes, The actions of the Christians at the time of the plague was one of the most important factors in the explosive growth of the Christian church in this period. Who would do that? Who would demonstrate such selflessness I've got to tell you, only those that have love for God. The love of God that dwells within them. And many who cared for the pagans, you know, their neighbours who were pagans, who actually, you know, would have ridiculed them, would have put them down, would have laughed at them. Many of those Christians who cared for those people also caught the plague and died. But the love of God, Compel them to act. Compel them to act. And we have the love of Christ within us, amen? We have the love of Christ within us and we are compelled to let it out. We are compelled to let it out. If you're a believer today, if you wanna find true purpose and meaning in life, let it out. Let it out. Find someone in your world, in your world that needs some help and help them. If you can, you can. If you can't, you can't. But do something. Amen? You can't push aside the love of Christ when he dwells on the inside of us. And thirdly today, be grateful to God. Be grateful to God. Verse 46, 47. It says every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I've often wondered how the early Christians could sing on the way to the Colosseum. I mean, that don't make sense, does it? The early Christians would sing psalms to God on the way to the Colosseum to be burned at the stake or eaten by lions. Who knows, that's not your best day. It's not your best day. But they praise God all the way. And I don't believe they lived in this supernatural spiritual bubble where it didn't affect them. I believe they were just like you and I. I really do. I believe they were just like you and I. But the key was that they chose to be grateful to God. They chose to be grateful to God. They literally had the whole world against them. When you made that decision, you were an outcast. From your family, you were cut off from the synagogue. You weren't allowed in the synagogue. And, and their whole community revolved around that. You became like a leper, cast out as soon as you professed Christ as Lord. Yet they carried something on the inside that was worth it all. They had something on the inside that was worth every bit of that. Every bit of that, I marvel at the Apostle Paul who threw away everything, everything that the world said, you've made it. He said, I count it as rubbish, rubbish that I may know him, that I may know him. And I think gratefulness is becoming a lost art in a world of entitlement. Never have so many, had so much, and been so discontented. Yeah. Honestly, folks, we've got nothing to whinge about. We live in the best country on the planet. I'm telling you, this is, I've travelled a few of them. This is, without doubt, hands down, the best on the planet. You want to get sick here? Knock yourself out. You'll get the best. You go down to that university, Gold Coast University Hospital, the the best care you'll get anywhere on the planet, free. You go to America, you've got to sell your house just to live. Amen? We live in the greatest country on the planet. The only snag to that is I think it's kind of spoiled us a little bit because we start to think this is the norm. I've, I've had Indian people talk to me and, you know, people like that are out the back of, you know, the back of the and beyond. And they marvel that we have a house for our cars. Like, what, you, you put your car in a house? You could literally fit five Indian families in your garage, and they would be very happy. They would be very thankful. We live in the best country on the planet. You know, last month, where's Greggy? He's around here somewhere. Greg Anderson last month preached a message on gratefulness. You've got to get on the web or whatever it is and, you know, watch it again. I've got to tell you, it was a brilliant message, a brilliant message on gratefulness. And I've got to tell you why I think it was so brilliant is because I put it into practice. See, it's only a good message if you put it into practice. If you don't put it into practice, then it's just another message you heard. Every time I, you know, start to get a bit whingy or feeling a little bit like badly done by, I just tell God how grateful I am. How great I start to think about all the great things He's done for me how my life has been transformed, how my generations have been transformed because Jesus came into my life. Not by my good sense, but by this incredible love, His unfailing grace extended to my life. I stop and remind myself how grateful I am to God. And I have to tell you, every time I do that, something changes in me. Something changes in me. Anne said amen. That's good news. Something changes in me. I even like me a bit. Luke 7, Jesus has gone for dinner at a Pharisee's house. and a sinful woman came and anointed his feet. Many of you would have read that story. And when Jesus was challenged, He brought out a comparison. He said to the Pharisee, look, you know, I came here. You didn't give me anything for my feet. You didn't, you know, know, look after me in any way. This woman has not stopped blessing me since the moment I walked in with everything that she has. She's blessed me. And in verse 47, Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whatever has, but whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. It works like this. See, if you think that you don't need a lot of forgiveness, if you think, hey, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good. I haven't done much. I haven't killed anyone. I haven't robbed a bank. You know, I'm I'm pretty sort of spot on, really. Kind of got it together. You know, I'll let God in, but he won't have to forgive much. Like, I'm pretty good. Then your ability to be grateful is that measure as well. But if you understand the price that Jesus paid, the sacrifices paid for you and I, because we don't deserve it, we are not worthy, we are his creation and he is faithful, and that's the total of it. And you start to think, Wow, God, I know I'm not perfect, I don't deserve that, I don't but your grace and I'm grateful for that. These foundation stones are very important, they're very important for building something. Better. It goes back to the foundation and we build from there. Let's let's get the right stuff right. Amen. And build it better. And build it better. This is our opportunity. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much that, that no matter what happens in our life. If the foundation is built in you, if that, if that foundation that we have in our lives is planted on the rock, we will not be shaken. We will not be devastated. We will not be shattered. Lord, thank you for an opportunity to reinforce, reassess, rebuild the foundation stones in you, that are going to build something better for the generations to follow and be blessed. Everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you folks.